Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we share stories on how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello and welcome to episode 43, From Leaving a Fiancé to Finding Her Soul. Hannah is a self-love and relationship coach based in Seacoast, New Hampshire. She is a partner to her soulmate, sister to fellow goddesses, and a coach who helps people find personal liberation through radical self-love and authenticity. After a decade of doing and seeking answers externally through spiritual teachings, energy healing, meditation, and yoga retreat, plant meditation, breathwork ceremonies, and visiting sacred sites, Hannah finally started listening to the quiet wisdom within our own soul that connects all of us to the divine. By guiding others through this process of remembering how to listen to our own sacred wisdom, she helps clients reconnect and remember their true selves to call in more love, freedom, and magic into their lives. In today's episode, Hannah shares her story of leaving her fiancé and taking the steps to radically fall in love with herself. It takes a lot of courage to leave the wrong relationship to find the right one. Now let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today we are going to be talking to Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am great. Happy to be here. (laughs) So I always like to start off the podcast talking about what your love lesson is. And your love lesson for those that are listening is a situation in your life that pretty much changed your trajectory of what you wanted to do. It it caused a lot of pain, transformation, but literally it's a catalyst of catapulting you to where you are right now. So I would love to hear what your love lesson is. My love lesson. I mean, I have so many, (laughs) I think we all probably do. Right. But the biggest one that, um, I think, like you said, catapulted me into the life that I'm in now, I'll share what it was, the path it led me down and then where I am now because of it. So a few years ago now, I was engaged to a man that was, is a very kind beautiful person. We were together for six years and I wasn't really happy in the relationship. And like I said, he was this beautiful person. You know, there was nothing wrong with him, but I wasn't truly happy and honestly didn't feel like I was loved the way I really wanted to be loved. And I was looking externally for all of these reasons, right? Like, why am I not happy? Why do I not feel the connection that I want to feel in my dream relationship, right? I said, I was going to marry this person. Can I have the rest of my life be like this? So I really had that like coming to Jesus moment of like, am I going to do this? Am I going to be here forever with him if I don't feel this connection? And what was really scary about that is I didn't have someone else, right? I didn't have someone else in mind. I just knew what I was feeling. My heart wanted something different. My heart wanted something deeper. It wanted more. And so it felt like this guy was, you know, door number one for me. Mm. And then door number two didn't feel like 
the love of my life, it felt like nothing. It felt like I'm either with him or I'm going towards this like aloneness. And that was really scary. And so I did end the relationship. And what I know now (laughs) is door number two was, you know, my partner that I'm with. But back then it felt like it was just this endless waiting that I was choosing. And what I ended up realizing through work in a beautiful community um, of heart circle, heart IQ circles, is that I didn't feel totally loved because I wasn't being my most authentic self for him to even be able to love, right? You know, like it didn't feel like you don't really love me, but I'm not really showing you who I am, you know? So it wasn't, I mean, you can only be as loved as you're willing to be seen. And so I started this journey of understanding that and seeing the way it played out in so many of my romantic relationships, but also in my friendships, in my family life, in the way I was just showing up, I often didn't feel totally accepted. And I can see now I wasn't totally accepting myself. I wasn't letting myself really be me in order to be truly seen anyway. So it did feel like hiding. It did feel like, am I, do people even know who I am? Right. And it felt like it was their issue, but it was mine. (laughs) So I went through this journey of, you know, through the lens of relationship, really realizing, okay, I'm going to choose me. I'm going to choose what my heart is, is pulling me toward. And I'm also going to really start learning who I am like radical authenticity, who I really, really am. And that led into really, really loving myself and receiving love from other people once I finally showed them who I am. That's such a beautiful story. And it's so true. I think a lot of us skip that part. And we go straight into the like, let's find a relationship without (laughs) really finding a relationship with yourself. And can you tell us like, what was your journey of going through falling in love with yourself? Like what were specific things you did? Did you work with the coach? Like, how did you get to that place? Yeah, that's a great question because often these topics are sort of talked about like, oh, you need to love yourself in order for someone else to love you. Right. And it's like, well, that's great, but I don't even like, how do you get from like stuck to that point. So my journey was um, a lot of spiritual seeking. You know, I I always have been that way. You know, I went on my first retreat when I was quite young. I think I was like 19. And, you know, I've had this decade and a half practically of, of trying different modalities, trying different things. And, and I can see now that was still external validation, looking for answers externally, but it did help hold my hand for a while. So in that acute time period of me leaving my ex-partner, I had moved to a new place and found a community that gathered in circle, in sacred circle. And for listeners, I don't know, you know, Corinne, how familiar you are with that work, but being together in community in a circle, um, this specific style is called Heart IQ. It started by Christian Pankhurst, but this specific way of gathering together with you know, just other people, other people and practicing being real with what I'm feeling in this moment and truly connecting to other people from a place of authenticity and where I am right now. And so that work being in that community was really the gateway for me to be like, holy crap, I could actually feel true connection with other people. 
I could actually show what I'm feeling. And for someone else to say, I see you, Mm -hmm. not, I need to fix you. Not so here's some advice. Here's a different way to do it. Not, you know, oh, get back to me when, you know, you don't feel that way. What I actually met with was just like me. Oh my gosh, just like me. And I was able to also share that with the other people in response, right? So having that taste felt, it was funny, it was this roller coaster, right? Of like, oh my gosh, I can have this kind of connection in my life. And then the next, um, I went to that first gathering, right? And the next time I showed up, I was pissed. I was sitting there and I was like, this is crap. This isn't fair to feel this and know that after I leave this room, I'm going back into a world where I'm not allowed to really be. So there was an integration period of seeing it was possible, you know, in that community and then slowly, not all at once, but slowly letting myself shift how I'm showing up in relationship, you know, with my family which often actually family might be the hardest, but, you know, starting a little bit by little bit and started making friendships within that community and just practicing a different way of being on my own. And um, I did have a coach at that time. And I I now have a coach now too, as well. Um, But having the outside support to number one, say, you're not broken. I see you. And you're okay you know, you're all right that, like that. So that was really the, the cracking open for me of seeing there is a different way of showing up. Yeah. You know, it's ha- I'm so happy that you said that. Cause I feel like a lot of times we don't know what love looks like because we come from families that have shown us conditional love. We've had breakups, we've had bad friendships. We have just bad relationships. And I found the best way for me to have learned what love is, is to have people that unconditionally love you and kind of show you the possibility of love. So a community is so important because I feel like without that, it's hard to really see or have that reflection of love and like what it means to be seen and accepted and validated for who you are without any conditions of changing or being something that you're not. Because I feel like society wants you to be something else, which is always putting you in this place of I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not extra, extra, whatever. Right. And how often, you know, we get proposed that way of thinking from the outside, but we're the ones that keep ourselves in that prison, right? You know, we are the ones that sign our name, you know, sign off on I'm accepting this limiting belief about myself that I need to be this way. You know, it's, it's suggested to us and then we grab it. And we hold it on us until we, until we decide not to, you know, and that's, it's a really good point too, to not create um, shame to your point of if you've never felt unconditional love, you know, for, for so many of us, it's not like, oh, just think of, you know, the way your mom loved you. That doesn't play all the way through, (laughs) you know, maybe someone doesn't know what that feels like. And so- Right. Yeah. And so like even just connecting to being in nature and just seeing the way that everything kind of plays in, there is this a possibility of being held. And so if you don't feel connection with other people in that way, connect to like, what does my heart really want to feel? If I could decide what love was, what would my heart say that it is? And one really beautiful practice that um, I've done in circle, but in, in retreats that I've facilitated as well is 
pairing with someone and without using words, showing that person how you want to be loved. And often that's not even, I mean, it's, it's, it's a metaphor, right? But just letting your body like explore the concept of this is what it would look like. This is what I would look like if I were being loved unconditionally. Mm -hmm. Isn't it always relaxing? At least that's my impression. Like I always tell people like, you know, you know, when you're in your heart and when, or when you're in your mind based on how your body's reacting. Like if your body is relaxed, soft, supple, and you're moving with flow, that's most likely you're in a state of love. But if you are contracted and feeling fear and like not even, you're just a sensation of of like contraction and uh, unease, that's most likely not a loving space. Yes, you're so right. And like the ego doesn't feel relaxed, (laughs) you know? Ego doesn't want you to feel peace. And so there's that, there's like that little difference, right? Between um, challenging our past patterns. So maybe you might feel a little uncomfortable, you know, trying something new, but there's this element of peace. There's this element of expansion that like our ego just wants us to keep going around and around and around and around and not actually shift anything. No, I mean, it would lose control. So then the yeah. ego always kind of keeps you. I mean, I always consider the ego kind of like a lawyer where it kind of gives you multiple sides and gives you always like a long dissertation of why you shouldn't do something and stacks all the evidence to yes. back up that. <laughs> and then you go down this road of being like, well, if I do this and if I do that and and it's always this mind trap and you're stuck in this mm. and then you, the fear gets bigger and bigger and bigger and all of a sudden you feel paralyzed and then you kind of feel stuck. Yes, I love that. I love that metaphor. Where, whereas like, I mean, I always laugh because I feel like when my ego's going off, I'm like, oh my God, Johnny Cochran is in my head again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's wild. I'm always amazed at like, my ego or my shadow or my fear is so adaptable, like instantly adaptable. You know, I mean, I had this long history of disordered eating for most of my young adulthood. And, you know, like, it's amazing to think like, okay, for example, you know, um, you know, restricting your diet out of low self-worth really is what it is to say like, oh no, no, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna withhold from myself in that way anymore. I'm not gonna, you know, hurt my body by withholding sustenance from my body. And then my ego's like, oh, oh, oh no, 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 you're, you're totally right. We're not going to do that. But like, maybe you should definitely have salads for the next three meals. You know, it's like this yeah. instantly adaptable thing where it's, it's really tricky sometimes to allow yourself to take the space to watch what it's actually doing. Like, what is the intention? What is the intention here? Yeah. You have to start to learn how to think, watch your ego, like a movie where Mm -hmm. it has its own like agenda and you can actually start to sit back and be like, Oh, this is what my ego is doing. And yes, it yes. becomes quite entertaining. At least I find it kind of entertaining. It sometimes does. Cause I'm just like, wow, my, you just really went there. That was just like, you, you just left feel there. like, like plot, like amazing plot twist that somehow plays right. through. Right. And right. You're like, oh, they tied that all together just for me. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm always like, wow. You are you working hard on that idea? Yeah, I was, like, I was just like, and I think it's so it's so liberating. I mean, it's you know I'm not perfect, and we're still working. You know, I'm still working progress right. anyway. So I'm always kind of like, oh okay, I can see where the twists and valleys, and oh I'm like, oh okay, so this is where I normally would have gone. I would normally would have mm. gone there, but now I could be like, oh I don't have to do that today. I can choose. Yeah. 
to be in a state of love, I can choose to make a different choice. Mm. But it's hard because, I mean, heartbreak is probably the most painful pain. I don't really yes. know what's worse than betrayal of the heart or getting your yeah. heart broken. I mean, some people never recover. Yeah. They never recover. They get their heart broken when they're a teenager. That's it. Or they Yeah, get- they aren't trying again. No, they get married, they get divorced. That's it. I mean, my mom is not remarried. You know, mm-hmm. and I know so many of my friends, their moms are not remarried. Like they got divorced and right. like, we're done. <laughs> no more. Mm-hmm. I have clients that are like, I never want a man again. I'm cool. I'm like, really? They're like, really? They're like, done. That is so funny too, because I mean, I have my own patterning that, mm-hmm. you know, is, has deeply deep grooves, right? It's, it's often, it's hard for me to pull out of sometimes. And what, like one of them, I don't have one of saying, I was hurt, so I can't do it again. And that's so interesting to me. And I think part of the reason that I'm, I love doing what I do is it's not that I'm like better than someone else, but because I don't have that patterning, it's, it's easy for me to see like how different it is in this moment. Right. And I was just talking with my partner about this and, and um, talking about, yeah, like when you're betrayed, why is it so hard to try again? And we were sort of creating humor around it. That's something that I I love to use in my life and in my practice, but seeing it's like getting soup at a restaurant and there's like a cigarette butt in it and you're grossed out and horrified so that you never go out to eat again. Like you, it's not that you can go to a different restaurant, you know, like it doesn't mean that it's going to happen every single time just because once it did. It's hard convincing people of that though, because oh, yes. um, I also think why it's hard. I know for me, it was hard because the, the pain I had kept repeating itself. Like I felt like I wasn't love lovable or I wasn't mm. um, able to attract the right relationship. So I pretty much dated the same person for 10 years even though it wasn't the same person, but it felt like- Isn't that person. amazing that we can do that? Right. And so, you know, if now, if somebody were to say what you said to me, I'd be like, yes, yeah, absolutely. But in the thick of it, I'd have been like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's always happening. Like I always say the same right. thing. And so it's great to have that perspective, but it's really, I mean, you're so lucky you don't have that programming. Um, I mean, I do in some sense, right? Yeah. But I'm I'm more the like, I move on too fast, right? I often don't even let myself connect to the yeah. grief I need to go through. Like it's it's just, it's the other side of the spectrum. It's not better or worse. Right. And so like what you're saying is so on point too, because there needs to be, and I don't know much about your story, but there needs to be a moment of realizing like you have agency in what's happening, you know, and, and I have agency in how I'm showing up and how I'm deciding to react to these opportunities of healing. And when we see the pattern, there is a pattern, especially of people that we are interacting with, because there are how many billions of people on this planet, right? If you keep running into the same person over and over and over again, like what soul contracts do you have to learn something that you're saying, not yet, not yet, you know, and not that there's judgment on a timeline, but it will still keep presenting as an opportunity to healing that line of thought or that pattern or that trauma. So, I mean, 
Absolutely. I mean, I also feel like you at some point have to take responsibility. I mean, that's right. what I did. I literally was like, okay, the common denominator is me. Right. So, exactly. Like, yes. And I that's actually, hard. It's hard because it hurts. Oh, it's, it's devastating because you always want to blame others. I mean, that's the difference between having a victim mentality and having a victorious mentality. Because if you're always playing the victim, if you're always playing the victim, then you'd be like, oh, it's all the men, it's all the people, it's my daddy, it's this, it's that. And then you're kind of in that state all the time where if you want to be victorious and have be like a manifesto in your life, you really have to take full responsibility and be like, this was all me. Like, I yes, yes, you do. And there's also, I think what's dangerous that some people get scared saying that is is what if there's something really terrible that you're coming up against, right? And and it's important to remember that like physical abuse, emotional abuse, like abusive situations, it's not your fault that you are being hurt and it you deserve to get help to get out of those situations. And also what you were saying, you know, like, and also I'm the one in that relationship. Like I have control over me, you know, what right. am I going to do with this? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's painful. And I think that's why it's so important to have coaches and mentors and teachers mm. and all of that, because I feel that we were never taught how to love. Like it's not a subject they have in school though. I think it should be, but it's yeah. not a subject on like, what does it mean to be loving? What does it mean to be in a relationship? What does it mean to have emotional intelligence? What does it mean mm. to have self-awareness? What does it mean to have a boyfriend, husband, partner, to build your life with someone? These are all things that we learn yeah. in life, like stubbing, like falling and having all these issues and I really feel like it would have been nice if it was like a subject in high school or like, right instead of like solar system how about we do love first right or like there was so many pointless classes we took in high school that I was like oh my gosh not this is totally wasting my life but yeah this would have been a course that I would have been like oh okay I have to love myself like oh I, I need to respect myself like how do I do that yeah. like how do I like how do I do that especially when I was you're a teenager you're like oh my gosh it was the worst the absolute yeah. worst and so <laughs> yes. and then you're trying to like like boys and your your period is happening and you're like oh my gosh <laughs> and then there's a dance you know like it's all oh. so terrifying like so terrifying. there's so much of this like the social structure during high school is focused on relationship and yet we can't put aside time in our classroom to talk about it beyond right. like don't have sex. I mean, that's kind of the extent of relationship talk I got in high right. school. That's all I you got. know, like, yeah, yeah, you could get pregnant. That's, that's it. about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's it. I and I was like, okay, yeah. mental note, don't get pregnant. But okay, what else? Yeah. And so you really have to learn like what it means to love and what it means to be in a relationship and what does mm. it mean to be codependent and what are your love languages? Yeah. There's so much to learn about how to interact with people. And it's not just for partners. It's also just for friends and coworkers. Right. And how do, how, do you, how do you work with people all the time? And how do you be around mm. people? I mean, it's like an integrated part of our society. Love is like breathing, like we all need it, but at the same time, they don't teach you how to use it. Or what right, to yeah. And like, it's so true because I love what you just said about it. It's about friends too and family because I think the intimate relationship, like a one-to-one a -one relationship, or I mean, if you have multiple people in your intimate relationship, the same thing, like your intimate relationship is the framework for all of your relationships. Right. right. You know, it is the thing. If you are going to have 
like trauma come up or healing opportunities, it's going to be happening in your intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, even just codependency, right? You can't have a codependent like romantic relationship with that pattern never having shown up for you in the rest of your life. I I haven't seen it yet. (laughs) I mean, how you do one thing is how you do everything. How you do all, yes, right? Exactly. You can't just have this immediate beautiful relationship with somebody and then have crappy relationship with your yes. friends. It's like, no, either you're a loving person and have loving relationships with everyone or you have okay relationships. But I want to talk about intimacy because I feel like, you know, we could talk about love, but intimacy, people always mm. associate with just sex. And I'm like, yes, oh my intimacy gosh. is not just sex, it's emotional, it's mental, it's so much more. So I would love to hear like how you talk about intimacy with your clients. Yes, that's such a great point. And it is, it's almost synonymous with sex in in so many places. And it's like, you can't get intimacy on a one night stand. You know, I mean, you can have sex without the other side, but yeah, it's not, it's not just that. It is, as you said, we were just talking about an intimate relationship. I think sexual union with someone that you are spiritually connected to and devoted to is like the pinnacle of intimacy, but it's not (laughs) sex is intimacy. So um, yeah, with intimacy, it goes back to what we were talking about in, in terms of like owning our own stuff, right? Because no person has ever really been hurt, experienced pain without another person being involved in that situation. You know, you can't grow up completely alone and get like doubts of self-worth, right? Like those things are, we, we, grab these patterns because of interactions with other people. And so we can heal on our own. We can heal from patterns and with self-awareness, like you can do so much work on your own and you need to, but the deepest healing is in communion with someone else because that's where our pain starts. So that's where it really ends and intimacy in relationship. I mean, When I decided, you know, that relationship that I left wasn't for me, I got a little nervous that I was like, oh, I'm I'm looking for something that's a fairy tale, right? And I just want to be like totally happy all the time and totally in love and everything's like, you know, princess story, whatever that stupid stuff is on Disney. But like, that's not actually what I wanted. What I wanted was for conflict to evolve us together. And so when we start relationships, intimacy starts with like deep feelings or like happiness or that intoxication right but intimacy truly starts when our wounding pops up when we start feeling safe enough with another person to show them like hey this is my trauma response when i feel scared um and it's often not like hey you know what at at dinner tonight on our date i think i'm just going to bring this up no you know it pops up when things are ready to be healed, it presents itself. And every person has the choice to either go into healing and create more intimacy or to run, to close. And so I think intimacy is the willingness to heal yourself in community with someone else. That's great. That's a great answer. Yeah. And it's so true. I mean, I always feel like that's a mark of a good relationship. If, you, if your trauma or your pain comes up, how they respond. 
like are they are they able to hold space with you are they able to really listen to you are they able to like mm. love you in those moments because I had a relationship where I was intimate with somebody emotionally telling them stuff about how and they used it against me to to like hurt mm. me and it was so that interesting so painful. I was like yeah. wow this is like some like a narcissistic kind of move where you like oh, yes. someone who's pain and then you flip it on them and then you make them feel worse and it's like I just bled my I just opened my heart to you and you just like smashed it it was like wow oh my gosh that's really- so painful because also like and what's happening it feels so obviously about us you know they're taking this thing and they're hurting me with it mm-hmm. when most of the time that other person and I don't know the story of course but that other person in situations like that can't handle your vulnerability because they aren't allowing themselves to be vulnerable. Absolutely. So they weaponize it against you. Yeah. Instead of closing it down themselves, they try to get you. Right. And it was so, uh, but it was, it it was really interesting to see because when I was younger, I didn't have the emotional intelligence to understand what was even Mm. happening. Like I had abusive, emotionally abusive boyfriends that would do stuff like that. And I would just always blame myself. So when this happened, I was like, oh, this is not about me. This mm. is about you. Okay, you're projecting. Okay, yes. I don't have to feel bad about myself. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not broken. But that took over, like, I'm, I'm in my, I mean, I'm 40, but that happened when I was like 39 or something. And I was like, wow. Like, I, and actually, it happened and I was upset, but I actually felt like, wow, I'm grown. <laughs> like, I've grown up. <laughs> yes. And I love that you said that because as we do our work, I mean, that's, this is like the way that you and I, you know, show up. Right. It doesn't mean that we're like these perfect beings, right? And like, like we were talking about the ego patterns earlier. It's not that we don't hurt anymore, but there's an awareness behind it of like, whoa, look at you. You're hurting so much. And, and you're still choosing your path. You're still choosing you. Right. And so it was, it was interesting to see like, okay, I can choose to be vengeful and you know be right. verbally abusive in this moment or I could choose not to so I think for me he 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 was an amazing mirror in that way and what was fascinating about that relationship you had talked about it earlier is that relationships mirror what's happening for you so for me it was a very interesting relationship because like all my pain was triggered his pain and his oh. pain triggered my pain and we literally and he was not very emotionally aware or um, mature so it was like yeah talking to a child so I was like (laughs) I was always like oh my god like this is so amazing I mean it was really painful but I learned so much about how I communicate when I'm in pain because Mm. he was so immature like if I say something in a certain way he would respond in a certain way but even worse so right if I had an undertone of like bitchiness he would become the biggest asshole and I, was like, <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. So like, it really made me modulate me because I'm like, okay, if I'm mm. communicating from a place of pain, I have to communicate lovingly and kindly in a compassionate way, because if not, he's going to throw darts at me. Yeah. Right? What a so, beautiful invitation to you. <laughs> so I was like, okay, like this relationship is probably not going to last, but it's good for me to learn how to communicate lovingly because Mm. otherwise you just start bickering and fighting and that's what was happening right it's like you're just bickering and fighting and I was like oh okay this is what it is this is what this is why people fight because you're in pain he's in pain or they are in pain and then it just goes back and forth and I'm like is this what and then my parents did that my whole life they just 
bickered and fought. Right. And that's where we learn it. We're like, oh, well, that's what relationship is. Right. You know? And so that's why we are, we're often not even aware that we're accepting things because you can't even see that there's a different way. It's just, well, this is the way it is. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm going to do this. And like, I really love that you pointed out that you had opposing trauma or similar triggers for opposite traumas, right? Like so intense. It's amazing. Like me and my partner at this point, we just laugh sometimes. We're like, oh my gosh, of course this is coming up. And I believe that we are all like, before we come down here in this life, our higher selves, we make little soul contracts with all these people. Right. And I can see with my partner, like his triggers and my triggers, like we're just getting two birds with one stone here. Like, all right, it's time for both of y'all. Like it's, it's go time. And like, I can give a, a, a perfect example of this. I am one of five children. I'm the second oldest, but I'm the first the oldest girl. And my older brother's like older than me. So like, like six years. So in a lot of ways feel like the oldest. I've got three younger siblings in um, a family that I developed codependent relationships with my siblings in terms of me being needed, you know, like, cause codependency has the two sides, the needer and the one who needs to be needed. Right. So I really showed up as that person. And my partner is the youngest of four. He's got three older siblings. And so like he has, we both have these trauma patterns of, you know, stress comes up and he wants someone to take care of the stuff. And I step in and it wasn't working for both either of us because we weren't creating space in our relationship to be supported in other ways or to create support in other ways. So it's so funny to look at that and be like, of course we're paired together. You know, we are here to heal that dynamic that just isn't working anymore. Yeah. God knows has, God has no, doesn't make mistakes. Like those are the situations where I'm just like, and it was so, it was such a blessing, you know, I'm like, Oh, but I love what you said about you and your partner. It's like, you see these opportunities as opportunities for growth. Like Mm. when you guys hit a wall or you hit some kind of dispute, you're like, okay, what, what can we learn? How could we grow? How we can get better. And I feel Mm. like if you're in agreement in that way, I think it's really beautiful. But if you're kind of like, we're fighting, we're just fighting. I just, I have to be right. You have to be right. You have to see my point. It's like, then it's like, you're not, there's no emotional intelligence there. Yes. That was, that was my past. It was like, Right. And that's, what's so hard to accept, especially when you have love for someone, right. Is to accept this conflict is coming up. And even if you see it, like, okay, this is an opportunity at healing to respect and allow that other person to say, no, thank you. Like they have the right to say, I'm not willing to heal that. Mm -hmm. Right. maybe it's right now, maybe it's never, but to allow that and not, and that doesn't mean that you need to stay with them but they get their choice. And that just sucks when you can see, you can see the opportunity at freedom or like expansion or more love or healing. And they say, no, sometimes I've just wanted to like shake people. They're not, you know, they're not the person. And yeah, then you get to make your decision on what that means for you and your relationship. But is it, I mean, I had a relationship that my first love was like that we were hitting the same problems. And I was like, you know, don't you want to grow? He was like, no, I was like, (laughs) Literally, he said, no, I was like, this is not the one like we broke up soon after that. But it was really interesting because I was like and I realized people don't change unless they want to. Right. Exactly. So if they don't want to, I mean, I felt like, oh, I'm not the right woman for you because with the right woman, he will change. And I'm sure he has Mm -hmm. already. So, I mean, I hope he has. And 
so really it was like if you don't meet the right person yeah it's not gonna happen and, and in the right time right and the right time unless you're self-motivated like i'm self-motivated like i want to change so i found teachers i found coaches i found therapists i did the whole whatever like i'm working on love i mean when i moved to california from new york my goal was like, I want to love myself. I want to learn who I am. Mm. That was my intention, right? So I went on the path of understanding what love was. And unless you have that intention, it usually comes out of a relationship because that's usually mm. when that happens. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we are shown exactly all of our fears and self-worth doubts and everything. Yeah, isn't that crazy? You know what? It's also funny because you're like, even you're like, oh, I'm healed. I'm good. And then you meet a man and all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> and it's it's funny because it's just like the layers of things layers, because I yeah. can do the work in something, you know, and then sometimes it comes back and I'm like, I did this I already. Know, I did I this already. And like, I don't know about you. I get these little like messages from God or higher self sometimes. And I remember one specific moment I was, I didn't even know if we would make it. There's this conflict came up between us and I was so triggered in fear and I heard this little like voice. It was like, it was whispered in my ear and it said, this is a gift. And I was like, screw off. Like it is not, this cannot possibly be a gift. Mm -hmm. And it was because we went through it, we healed. And we just have this sort of joke now of like, we just leveled up. It's always a level always, up after, always. Level up. always. always. Up. And once yeah. you like integrate that in your system and you really know it, if you don't believe that right now, it's not your fault. There's probably reasons why you're worried to get vulnerable, but like once you do it the first time and then you see, oh, there's more love on the other side of this. Oh, there's more freedom. I feel better. Every time you do it, it's just like muscle memory. You know, oh, this hurts. All right. Absolutely. And I think that's the case if you have done that work for yourself. Like right. Yes. Work. Yes. So if you do that internal work of pushing past your pain points and growing and looking through your darkness or your shadow mm -hmm. part and working that out and moving on the other side, you're like, oh my God, I love myself way more than I did yesterday or last week because I allowed yes. myself to go through that. So you already have that within yourself. And so when it's, when exactly. it's happening in a partnership, you're like, oh, okay, I know, I know how to do this because I've done it within myself. And that's why I feel like the self-love key is like baseline foundation. Yes. Because if you yes. don't have that piece, then it's really hard to work in a relationship because you don't have that um, patterning of working things out within yourself. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's like setting the container. I love the concept of containers, right? Like holding space and, you know, not oversharing, not becoming too vulnerable at the grocery store, you know, like the container needs to be set. You can't just go and like spout your deepest fears to any person, you know, I mean, you could, but it's not going to feel good because there's no container. Your energy is just going to be leaking out. And so the container within a relationship, like you were saying, if you both aren't prioritizing your self-work, your self-love, the container isn't solid. And so when conflict comes up, that's when it gets really scary and it might not feel safe. And it's not, you know, to really, to challenge that with, with your partner. Like, are we, are we prioritizing ourselves so that we can also prioritize our relationship? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Well, let's get into some of the uh, self-love yes. questions, the infinite love questions. So, we're talking about love and your coach. So how do you use love in your work? This is a great question because I'm a self-love <laughs> and relationship coach. So it is completely 
foundation, like the foundation is love. It's self-love so that we can love. And I believe that, you know, you can take all the spiritual tools that you want. If, you know, tarot cards really resonate with you, cool, use them. You know, if prayer resonates with you, great, use it. There are so many different ways to approach you know, creating the structure for your self-love or creating your connection with yourself, but they're all tools to get into your own self-love. Mm-hmm. And so the way we relate to others, the way we show up in our job, the way that, you know, we create our dreams and think, oh, that's reasonable. That's not reasonable. You know, it's all based on self-love. So my entire practice is based on that. And oftentimes people don't realize, oh, I feel unhappy. I need self-love. You know, that's that might feel too abstract sometimes, but reasons that you might need to check in and, and, and create a self-love practice is feeling the opposite, you know, using the polarity of different things to realize, oh, I'm not actually embodying self-love. When we're not embodying self-love, we feel self-doubt. We feel confused. We feel stuck. We feel like we aren't good enough. We feel worried that maybe we're asking for too much. You know, all of those things, if those are really up for you, then that's a key to get into a self-love practice or get a coach that can help you or get a community or create a safe container like we were just talking about with someone and share those things. Yeah, I love it. How is your work used to serve humanity? My work is used to sell to serve humanity by helping humans remember they're humans. <laughs> You know, it's, it's okay to be you. And we talked about that container with another person, but really the only, like the truest, safest container is creating safe space within yourself. And so when you are allowing your light to fully shine, because you are the one making sure no one screws with it, then you're unstoppable. So I think the world itself is a better place when we are all really embodying radical self-love, radical authenticity. Absolutely. I always say, tell that to people, like, don't let anyone take your joy. And that's something I live by, even for myself, like doing things that are uncomfortable or mm. being in pain around it. And I'm always like, okay, I can't let this situation take away my joy. Like I have to fight for my joy. Like no one yes. else is going to give it to me. I have to cultivate it within myself. Yeah. Not letting someone take your joy also means not letting someone give it to you. You know, it's, it's creating your own joy. It's, I think that joy is different from happiness in that joy is a state of being and all the other emotions are what joy allows you to feel. You are in joy when you're allowing yourself to feel as low as you can get and as high as you can get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. What does it mean to you to be a positive force of goodness in this world? To be a positive force of goodness is to create freedom by allowing freedom in yourself. You know, when we really allow ourselves to be who we are meant to be here, it gives others permission to do that too. So working on really knowing yourself gives space for other people to do that too. And when we're really in like radical authenticity, I don't, think there's a way for conflict to destroy things the way it does in our world 100 percent. yeah if there was the world would be so much different if there was more love and joy and kindness right yeah what do you love most about your life Mm, there's so many things i love about my life but 
relationships are what I love most about in my life. I mean, my coach, I have a coach. I think it's important for coaches to have coaches, right? <laughs> um, but my coach says, what well, you're here to learn, you're here to teach. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, relationships are my deepest joy. And that's why I love to connect with my clients in terms of relationship as well. But my relationships with my family, my siblings, my sisters, my partner, my little niece and nephew, my godkids, you know, it's, that's what my highest like happiness and love is. I feel most connected to myself and to God when I'm connected to the people that I love. Beautiful. How do you feel you receive love? Number one, I receive love when I allow myself to, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's, we are the gatekeepers of how much love we allow into ourselves. And we're also the ones to show the way to others, how to love ourselves. So um, I think we are love. That's who we are in our most natural state. And also there are practices that we can do to, you know, bolster that um, and making sure that we aren't outsourcing our love to other people. You might've heard of the five love languages, um, you know, like words of affirmation, physical touch, all of these different ways that people receive love. And what's really funny is that so many people see that without realizing there's a piece of self-care involved in that. You know, if like I'm a words of affirmation and physical touch, like those are really my, the way that I most feel connected to people that I love. And it's also the way that I feel most connected to me, journaling, writing, you know, like those words of affirmation, using words to create um, in that energy for me. And also like physical touch. If I'm not partnered and, you know, I, I can't get that with someone else, like how can I like really love my body? You know, it's movement or self-pleasure or getting a massage, but there are ways to make sure we have our, rec- our receptive gates open True. so that then we can also feel it from other people. Yeah, like I, I'm a big on physical touch. And whenever I get a massage, I'm like, oh, yes, <laughs> I forgot. That's how much amazing. I this. Yeah, right. Yeah, I love them. Okay. When do you feel the most love? I feel the most love when I'm with my people, mm-hmm. when I'm in nature, and when I'm quiet with myself. Okay. And where has love created a miracle in your life? Oh, there are so many, there are so many to choose from. Um, But since we're talking most about intimate relationships, the biggest miracle is being with my partner. We're getting married three weeks from today. (laughs) And thank you. And um, it was completely unexpected, but it was such a miracle and such a blessing to choose my own healing again and again and again. And then eventually that also led to him tapping me on the shoulder. Literally, that's how we met. And he was like, Ch-ch-. he tapped um, you on the shoulder. Where did you guys yes. meet? We met at a retreat in upstate New York. Um, and he had seen me and came up and tapped me on the shoulder after one of the sessions. And we spent the whole weekend together. And it was magical. Yeah, magical. <laughs> <laughs> it was a miracle. It didn't make sense how it happened. Right. And that is my, that is my favorite part about miracles and I love the fact that you met him on a retreat that you went for yourself you went yes to healing for yourself and then boom yep. man okay I mean I him? I mean I was on a bit of a dating tear for a while I think I've met all the men in this city um but I finally was like no I'm, I'm gonna focus on me went to this retreat I did see him 
before we met, I had turned around and noticed him like sitting back there. You know, and I remember, yeah. right. But I remember saying to my, that's, I literally was like, Hannah, that is not why you're here. Turn around, pay attention. You're here for you. And then of course he's like literally my soulmate. So it was, it was great. <laughs> that is so awesome. That's such a good story. Mm. I love hearing how people meet because it's just, Thank it's you. always, it almost always is divine timing, even if it yes. is online or even if it is at the supermarket or in the street, yeah. or, you know, it's always like when you are ready and mm -hmm. life manifests. manifests yes. That's wonderful. I'm so happy for you. Have an amazing wedding. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being on this podcast. How can people find you? I, I am most active on Instagram at soul forward living. Soul like soulmate, soul forward living. Uh, also at hannahperalt.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I love this conversation. It was super fun. And I love, love, I love talking about love clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Same. That's why I'm doing what I do. Yep. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, have a great day. I'm sending you lots of love. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.